This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. You are tuned into the 3CR Gardening Show on this lovely pseudo long weekend. Now is the time for Melburnians to plant your tomatoes and summer veg crops. And with me to chat about that and a little bit more are three very distinguished guests. Meryl Johnson from Seedscape Seeds. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants. Yes, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> And Clive Larkman, host of the Yarra Valley Plant Fair. Good morning. Good Good morning, morning. everyone. We were just talking about planting summer veg. I always do it on cup weekend because I sort of go away and I don't want things to be ripening too early while I'm away over summer. And Clive, you were saying... The rule we have is if you live in the metropolitan area where you don't get frost anymore, Mm. get your tomatoes in by cup day. If you live in areas where you get frost... Don't put them in till cup day. Stephen, do you adhere to that? Oh, yeah. I don't put any of my summer crops in usually till cup day. And I learnt this year that uh, why? Because it looked like it was warming up, so I planted a whole pile of sweet corn seed. (laughs) And that was two and a half weeks ago. And it looks like I'm going to get a really spotty germination, so I'm probably going to have to dig them all under and start again because if they get going and you've got gaps, you can never get another sweet corn growing in the gap because they don't get enough light. So you've got to have them all coming up together. At the same time. Uh, And I was looking at them yesterday thinking, oh, there's so many gaps in there. Will I let them go or will I just churn them under and sow another batch? But, yeah, till cup day around our area, it's pretty pointless putting any sort of warmth-loving summer vegetables Mm. in. Mm. I mean, my garden's full of... uh, Where would you put sweet corn in your garden? In my vegetable (laughs) garden. It needs sun. Yeah, I've got a sunny vegetable garden, Clive, I promise. What, about half an hour a day, the sun yeah, goes No, no, it's, it's right out in the open and it sort of faces north, so the sun goes right across, or you get it from about eight or nine in the morning uh, and it'll still have sun shining on the vegetable garden till about four o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I grow good crops for sweet corn. Uh, My broad beans are up about a metre and a half tall. We're eating broad beans. I've got wee ones on (laughs) mine, but it's a bit early. I did not buy them. (laughs) (laughs) I actually put mine in rather late, the broad beans, this year because I was away touring. So they didn't go in till later Mm. than they should have done. But anyhow, they've, they've... They've caught up. Um, my garlic's just starting to fall down, so and it's 
bigger and better this year than ever before. Oh, I'm hoping. I'm I, hoping. I reckon I'm going to have bulbs that are bigger than you ever see in the shops <laughs> this year on my uh, Rose Duval garlic. It's flavour, <clears throat> not size. Size is important too because it makes it easier to peel. (laughs) (laughs) From a purely practical point of view, I like big cloves. Oh, it's a tedious. No, it's tedious, and of course, I follow the adage that you keep the best and eat the rest. So you eat the smaller ones anyway, uh, and you keep your biggest bulbs for replanting. For the planting, so you get bigger bulbs next time because you're eating the little ones. Yeah, good, good thinking. There. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I grow enough garlic to keep two households in garlic the whole year. Years ago, I got one of those, you know, kitchen junk things you get in two dollar shops. And it was a piece made out of the stuff that you make wetsuits out of, um, stubby coolers. Mm. Yeah. A little tube. You put your garlic in it, rub it. Rub it like mad. Out, and it pops out peeled. Yes, it's good. If you want to, just... Yes, we have. And oh, we're doing garlic experiment this year because we fail miserably with garlic. We just haven't got the climate for it. So I bought, I think, about eight different cool climate varieties from okay. Tasmania. I thought yeah. if they can do it in Tasmania, I can yeah, do it. Yeah, she should Absolutely. be able to do it. And, but we don't know yet. No. It's a project <coughs> in waiting. <coughs> yes. We met the guy who you saw on TV a few months ago who has this garlic which is built for COVID or virus resistant. And we were organising some garlic to go to Norfolk Island. And he said, you've got to have a specific type of garlic for each latitude. Yes. And he's, he's worked out which garlic's best mm. in which latitude. He said, normal garlic here won't grow in Norfolk Island. No. The latitude's mm. too low. Yeah, and and it's probably humid and it's more the latitude and the light the light patterns than the, the actual temperatures. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, I got mine originally um, from the plant fair when Teslas ran it years ago. Yeah. They had a guy there that was selling um, organic garlic, and uh, he suggested I try that one, mm. uh, Rose Duval, and it's been a really successful garlic for me. Mm-hmm. And what some people don't do though is they don't remember to actually keep their own clo- cloves back to plant Going. again yeah. because. You want your garlic adjusted to your own soil too. So by keeping your big bulbs and replanting those every year, uh, I've now got garlic that's well adjusted to my climate, well adjusted to my soil type. And at the risk of saying something stupid, it seems almost foolproof now. Um, I'm doing really well with my garlic and have done so for the last few years. If you get the basics right, remember that plant has one job in life. Yeah. One job only. That's to produce young for next year. So if you just give it sun, water and fertilise it, and leave it alone, it'll do what it has to do. Yeah. Well, of course, with garlic, though, you've got to keep it well weeded because if things come up around it, they hate that. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, I get in and I weed my garlic regularly by hand. They'd be more susceptible to the rust as well if they're not, if they don't have that airflow yeah. in between yeah. them from yeah, the well, weeds. I, touch wood, I've not had any rust issues mm. on my garlic or anything like that. And Good airflow is really yeah. important. Yeah, and yeah, so it's just starting to fall over now. Um, that's probably due to the fact it was looking gorgeous a week ago with all these lovely big green strappy leaves, and I've got a group coming through the garden tomorrow. So then it will <laughs> fall over the week before, yeah. of Yours is just about to fall over. Meryl, has yours come up? It's up and yep. it's it's looking good, but there is a huge difference between these different varieties yeah. That, yeah. that we've tried. And so it's also when you planted it too. You might have planted yours in May and you did yours in April. That, yeah. that month can make a big difference. Oh, yeah. 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 Have you grown elephant garlic? Yeah. Yes. Don't like don't the flavour like of the our taste. elephant garlic. It has garlic. no flavour. It's, no. It's, it's not a garlic, by the way. It's a no, leek. It's, it's a leek. leek. Yes. Yeah. And the best thing is you bake it in a baking pan like you would bake potatoes and you cook it like that. Yeah. But it's a beautiful plant in the garden. It's yeah, I like, yeah, garden I like it as a decorative thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the flowers are nice for picking. And when we were in, <laughs> we were in Europe in um, whatever month it was, they all had garlic as an ornamental plant there. 
heaps of people put it in their garden and they just grow it just for the flower. They don't even harvest it. They just grow it for the yeah. flower. Well, I yeah. don't normally harvest it. A friend of mine, though, she makes her own Worcestershire sauce and she uses the elephant garlic for that because it's got big cloves and it's easier, <laughs> it's easier to clean. But it's got no real flavour, I no, don't think. No, no. I mean, as a plant, it's nice. And the other one I grow in the garden at home that I have some nervousness about is what's grown as perennial leeks. Uh, I yeah. got them. I started growing them. I'm not yeah, sure. I got them years ago. Um, who gave them to me? Oh, our good friend from Pascova. What's her name? Um, the organic. Karen. Karen Sutherland. Karen Sutherland. That's right. She gave me some when I went to, years ago. I must have been filming for Gardening Australia in her garden, um, and she gave me a handful of little baby plants of it. Mm. And by God, does it multiply! <laughs> oh my, yeah. If I don't take and if I don't take the flower heads off it, it will self seed itself all over the garden. Oh, interesting. But it's it's. And, I mean, they're only small leeks, but it tastes just like an ordinary mm. leek. And I don't do terribly well with the big commercial leek in my garden. Well, oh, ours are You've doing got... really well this year. Oh, well. Congratulations. Fat, 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 fat. Oh, winner. But I think we kept mounding up. We were very you've got, attentive you've got, you've about got to do that. mounding the soil. If you don't soil. do the mounding, you won't get your leeks. No, and they don't get that That's because you're and... retired from travel, so you can spend time in the garden. <laughs> yes. I'm not away three or four months. <laughs> yes, that's right, exactly. You've got time to mound things. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, so yes, I'm not sure about these leeks. I mean, I do keep them under control reasonably well, but I don't know whether I eat enough of them to Are they the same them. plants that you've had since Oh, yeah, since yeah, no, I got from Karen. So you just yeah. keep harvesting them? Yeah, I, I just mm. leave them in the ground and I just keep pulling out ones as I need them oh. and then they die down at a certain time I think about midsummer um, and then they produce lots of little bulbs around the original one and one year I did foolishly let them go to seed because they were really pretty in flower mm. and then I had the little buggers coming up everywhere um, <laughs> so I learned my lesson there so I don't let it go to seed anymore uh, and I just work from because if you pull them out of the ground they tend to drop the little bulbs off and, you've got and they just more, go back to the yeah. ground anyway and keep growing again and so it's a useful vegetable but it's a little frightening well it sounds similar to spring onions and mm. if spring yes. onions are sort of perennial if you just keep cutting them off yeah. at the base sure. so, but again yeah. a spring onion is a term for so many yeah. of the bulbing little onions yeah, yeah. well I've got one in the garden that comes up the lawn and drives me insane that I got years ago mm. from somebody or another and it was a sort of a red stemmed yeah, one that, oh yes red that's stem, the Wel- yep. it's called a Welsh spring onion nothing to do with Welsh it's called Welsh spring onion yeah beautiful flavour and yeah. it really grows forever and yeah and in my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Mow your lawn, it won't be a problem. Yeah, well, it, it, but it, it is sort of a problem because it tends to come up faster than the grass. Yeah, so you've and got this stuff city, yeah. tufty stuff. Mow it more often. Okay. Yeah. Have a lawn of Welsh onions. All you want is a nice green carpet. So it doesn't matter what the plant is. I thought that's what my ballast perennis were doing. <laughs> uh, They're very successful, I, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I have a tap that leaks in the garden, in the, you know, in the lawn for a little while, then the ballast perennis <laughs> Pops up. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've, my lawn's almost all ballast perennis now. So the lawn daisy's virtually taken over. Mm. It looks and it very looks pretty. Gorgeous. It it's very pretty. pretty. Yeah, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, and I was up at Denira this week, a big property up on the top of Mount Macedon, and they've got their. Um, Bluebell Festival on this weekend. So today's the last day of the Bluebell Festival. Costs 35 bucks, I think, to get in, but you get a house tour of the art in the house and uh, Stuart Stoneman who was the last owner of the house collected some amazing artworks and they've got stalls up there they've got a coffee van and the bluebells on Thursday when I were up there were still looking stunning there's Sheets acres of them. Sheets of them. You know, yeah. I mean, I've never, apart from being in England or Europe areas, I've never seen bluebells in the quantity that you see them up yeah. at uh, Denaira. It's mm. just amazing. And the scent is wonderful. Mm. Are they Spanish or English? I think ones? they're all hybridy. 
Oh, I was okay. looking at them on Thursday because we did some filming for the YouTube channel and we thought one of the stories could be about naturalising bulbs, seeing as we were amongst acres of them. And so we talked about management and what have you on the... It won't come up on the YouTube, I might add, for a while because Matthew's still got to edit everything and put it together. Um, but um, I think they're hybrid and there's quite a lot of white ones and pink ones amongst yeah, them so as well. Yeah, so it's got to be Spanish and, yeah, ones. And some of them are very upright, some of them are archy. I actually had a yeah. close look at a lot of them and there was a huge diversity in them. So they have hybridised. Yeah, so I think yep. they're hybrids. Um, but they look stunning. Uh, I, I love the English mm. bluebells, not because they're English, but because they're so much more elegant with mm. their yeah, sort of shepherd's yeah. crook yeah. shape on the stem mm. and the scent is just wonderful, whereas the Spanish ones don't have that wonderful no. scent. Do they host this uh, sh- uh, festival show every year? They do, although they're talking about perhaps changing the date because it's it's going to – this weekend is almost at the end of the Bluebell. Mm. So yeah, it's uh, a little they, dodgy. they feel that it was just that little bit too late. So they might draw it back a week uh, next year and tradi- then we'll have a late season. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Murphy's Law. Has it traditionally been Cup Weekend that they host yeah, it? Yeah, generally the, that sort of early weekend in November is is when <coughs> they do it. What, uh, what brings on bluebell flowers? Is it day length or temperature? I don't know. I, I know they're much later up there because of the altitude. I mean, well, they're yeah. from high it, up the hill. In that case, it's not day length. Yeah. No. So, yeah. So it's, and they do vary enormously. You know, I would take tours to see the bluebells in Cornwall. But, boy, it was a dicey. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you had yeah. to cover your bases and go up and... Well, that'll be temperature-based yeah. then. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so if anybody's at loose ends today, I guess a, a trip up to Mount Macedon wouldn't be a bad thing to do. That'd be and gorgeous. And uh, Denira's, I mean, it's a kaleidoscope of mollus, azaleas and rhododendrons and everything else at the moment as it's well. It's real eye candy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> and the pink dogwoods are in flower. There's a, a drift of about six of them uh, in a big bed in the middle of the front lawn, and, and they're all the... Corners Florida Rubra, the pink North American dogwood, and oh. they're at their peak at the moment. Oh. Um, so there's lots to see up there. And I mean, there's some towering, amazing trees. I mean, Denira's, I think, got something like eight or ten trees on the National Register. How far uh, up Macedon is it? It's virtually the highest property up right. before you go into the National Park. Yep. So it's right up at the top of the mountain as far as properties are concerned. Um yeah, I think Alton might be fractionally higher altitude-wise on a different road, but okay. yeah, Denier is the last property up on the left-hand side going up Mount Macedon Road before you go into the forest. Mm. And, and it's, who runs it now? It's run, it's run uh, by a trust. Uh, when Stuart passed away, um, he set the property up under a trust with, you know, obviously a reasonable amount of money. Um, and so there's a, a group of people who run it and they do odd things with it. He wanted it to sort of be the Huntington of Australia, in a way where there'd be all sorts of things going on. It hasn't Tell me sort about of, Huntington. Well, Huntington's an amazing garden in North America that was set up in a trust and they run classes. They've got a library that's amazing. They've that's got They've artworks. got a wonderful it, art we've got, collection. Yeah, yeah. We've got nothing like that. We went to Longwood last time I was in the States. Now, there's yeah. Disney gardening. And Long, Longwood is just absolutely <laughs> blow your mind. And they've got researchers and they've got staff. Yeah. But in most states in America now, they will not accept the donation of a garden yeah. Without unless, it, unless it comes with at least $20 million of bank money yeah. Yeah. to run it. Because yeah. they, they got... They've got more gardens in one state than we have in the whole country. Yeah. It just blows your mind. You go after one, after the other, after the other. Well, certainly if you're in that sort of area where Longwood is, you've got um, uh, Falling Waters, you've got Longwood, there's uh, Winter Thur. There's a whole heap of them around that area that you can just drive around no, within the day. In the we, day. We did, <coughs> we did the tour, the same tour in 2018. We just did 
and it just comes a blur. It's just, I can't remember the names of the gardens. Yeah. It's, just, it's just one after the other, after the other, mm-hmm. after the other, after the other. And with IPPS, so we're getting to the, the back end of the gardens and the propagation and the growing. It just blows your mind. It's just yeah. so big and so but it many is, of them. Don't you agree, though, it's almost too much? Longwood's one of those places that uh, it's just I so think, incredibly well Dis- done. Disneyland describes it because they have a show every night and leaping water and flames yeah, and, and it's laser all music lights. going with it and, and, and the water and jets co- are coaches, coordinated. coaches of people yeah, go there. It's, yeah, it's yeah, just no incredible. <laughs> you know, and they grow those chrysanthemums in domes and things where all the flowers are perfectly yeah. aligned with each other and so you've got this dome of yellow They've chrysanthemums. They've got little Japanese gardeners yeah. there yeah. working away on them. <laughs> it's just incredible. But there's also, we did... Um, Mount Vernon, which is Washington's estate, yes, and we did um, Monticello, which is Jefferson's estate, and they blow your mind. And They're then, beautiful. Really. Thomas Jefferson was the first garden writer. He's writing the paper while he's president answering gardening questions. Really? <laughs> I was up at, I was up at oh, there's something for me to aspire towards. <laughs> <laughs> I was up at Gentiana Nursery this yeah. week. Um, Craig supplied us with some corms for a student project and um, for, of Cyclamen. And we were picking them up and I looked at a plant and I said, oh, I mean, most of the stuff that he has I've never heard before. That's all a learning curve when I'm up at his place and, and yours as well. And I said, oh, what's this What's this plant here? It had really sort of kidney-shaped. Uh, yeah, Jeffersonia. And it was Jeffersonia. Yeah, yeah yes. named after him. Oh, I didn't know he was into his garden. Yeah, oh, yes, in a big way. He said yeah. one of the greatest things you can do in life is introduce a new plant to a country, which seems a bit... Yeah, well, a little bit less so nowadays. But anyhow, <laughs> I was telling a story where he went and got a plant from one of the one of the countries in southern Europe, and he smuggled it into into America. If he'd been got caught smuggling it out, it was death penalty. Okay, <laughs> but smuggling he, it out of Europe, out of this country because it was oh. one of their specific plants. But he's just a mad plant collector and breeder, and well, that's mm-hmm. what made Mount Macedon. Really, mm. you know, places like Denaira, yeah. they were all set up by wealthy industrialists mm. and uh, and intellectuals who lived in Melbourne. They set the places up as summer retreats, mm. Mm. so it was like the um, Darjeeling yeah, and, and things yeah. in yeah. India. Um, and they just collected, and because there wasn't any, any quarantine back then, no, yeah, uh, um, they, they could, could bring, bring in stuff anything. directly in from overseas. And a lot of the gardens on Mount Macedon have got trees and shrubs growing in them that have never actually come through the commercial industry in Australia. Mm. They, they were bought directly by the owners of the gardens into the gardens uh, and planted. And yeah. I'm still finding things in some of those gardens I didn't know we had in Australia. That's and incredible. Part mm. of the problems though is they weren't so particular about naming. No, God. no that's right. The peppercorn tree mm-hmm. is Shinus Herrera, not Shinus Molly, because when they put the wrong plant in, yeah. there's another one that came in through Chandler's mm. and someone was looking at one day and said, no, that's not what it is. And they went right the way back. The guy dug the wrong one out of the garden, mm. it really is, and put the wrong name on it. Yeah. And it's well, that order. happened. I mean, Chandler's was a <laughs> wonderful resource in its day, but they did have quite a few anomalies mm. in their plant selections. I mean, they had... Viburnum placatum mericii and Viburnum placatum lanath round the wrong way. Mm. And there's still people growing them under the wrong names now, so you've got to be really careful which one you oh buy because they're hard to tell later. apart. It's really hard to tell them apart when they're baby plants. Yeah, yeah, it's only sure. when they start to develop their character yeah. that you can suddenly realise, well, that's Lenarth and that's uh, Marissii. Mm. Um, and so Chandler's did have quite a few things mm, like that going on. But often what the fault was that the person at the other end mm. shipping them got it wrong. Mm. And we mm. had um, we were in the lavender industry, and when we got into it, there was a lavender they kept calling Britisto. That's an Angustifolia, but the person who bought it into Australia the first time got the name wrong. She bought it into media. So it's like planting a whole lavender farm 
a, a vineyard with white wine, you actually open it. Oh, we've got red wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> yes. Let's adapt, shall we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, dear. We, we run private post-entry quarantine. We're one of the few people that do it for, commit, for public use. And we're anal about mm. When you bring your plan in, if it doesn't have the correct name, I don't want to bring it in because it messes the country up. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got to get it right. I, the nursery industry is so – it's hard, a name change happens with a plan and it takes still takes – well, I still Decades. see eucalyptus oh, bisophilia yeah. on would plan you or labels. Would you not assume that was an abutilin? You would, would assume have, that. Yes. But it could have changed. Yes, yes. Most of the garden abutilins are now in a genus called Calianthi. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah, so that's Calianthi picta variety Thompsoni. Mm. Um, and so all your Chinese lanterns that you're growing mm. in your gardens, they're all Calianthes now. Um, and that's going to take forever to change because people are so used to a butylin. Yeah. And, and it's one of those botanical names that actually sticks in people's mm. minds. So people yes. will remember a butylin like they remember Rhododendron or Daphne. Mm. Yes. Uh, and so to get people to change that name... And, is... I mean, you can understand, too, from a, a commercial nursery's point of view, that uh, people recognise it mm. oh, and yeah. they buy it because they recognise that I name. Think and if you change it, you've got a big marketing I problem. I think that will change quicker than most others because it, it, it's not so <laughs> widely grown and yeah. it's just one. Mm. Changing rosemary to salvia... Oh, I That's love a- that because the Sylvia study group is so, so annoyed about it. Um, you know, how dare Rosemary sneak into yeah. Sylvia? How, I mean, how did she sneak into Sylvia? Well, because if they hadn't put that in and and Perovsky or in a couple of other well, things. Well, Perovsky was Russian sage. It, it belonged. In, I've, I've got a degree in botany and we did three months studying plant nomenclature yeah. at third year level. So I'm anal about names. Yeah. And once you start doing breaking down to the flower parts, the way it grows, how it grows... It makes sense. Well, it does make sense. But if they hadn't done it, I mean, the other way they could have gone was if they didn't bring Perovsky and and Rosemarinus in, Sage would have been, uh, I think they said six or seven different genera. Mm. And so from the point of view of um, of making it as easy as possible. It was just better to I bring those it. other plants in mm. than to split the whole genus up, uh, which if there's not something that's really physically easy to tell the difference between the genera, then the public's not going to accept it. I mean, they're trying to do that with Nothophagus, the southern beaches, mm. and there'll probably be three genera, but I can't, you can't physically just look at it and say that belongs in Nothophagus or that belongs in mm. Fuscospora. Mm. Um, I don't quite know what the differences between their supposed new genera are going to be. Whereas Cornus is another classic example. That could end up being four genera. Mm. But the way it will be split is quite obvious and logical. Mm. Uh, The coloured stemmed ones Mm. that get the little white flowers in clusters like Elba and those, they'll be in Swider. Um, The true Cornus will be Cornus Mass, the Cornelian cherry with its little yellow flowers in the winter. And then the big bracted Cornuses will be in Benthamia or Benthamidia. Um, And the little creeping one from Canada is going to be Camipericlimenum canadensis. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) That that sounds like a fungal disease. That's cruel. Yeah, it's so unfair. I mean, to write that label is impossible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and to spell it correctly. Should we live long enough? At least all those are the Peruvian. Of uh, people who like plants. Yeah. The problem with rosemary is almost everybody knows rosemary. Yeah. yeah. It can still yeah. be called rosemary, though. It, that'll, I mean, that'll yeah. end up being a common name. Yeah, it'll just yeah. be its common yeah, it's name. Yeah. Um, so you can still call it rosemary. You can still cook with it. <laughs> it hasn't changed its characteristics. <laughs> no. um, so, but yeah, I can see all the different things that go on when a plant's name's changed, particularly if it is something that's in common parlance. Mm. Uh, 
but hopefully at the end of the day there'll be some stability. Hopefully. I hope so. Mm. Yeah, the, like, obviously with the DNA testing, it's frustrating when there's obviously ch- differences in the DNA mm. but not physical differences and then they get split up. That that makes oh, it really yeah. hard. If you can't, if you like can't physically ID a plant yeah. from how but it you, looks. You've got to be careful yeah. though. There's a difference between a botanist and a horticulturist. Mm. See, a botanist will we look at the flower and the leaf and the structure. But you go and step back, it's the same. We can say, no, it's really different here. Whereas the horticulturist looks at the plant. Mm. Oh, they're still the same. They must and be the same. Whereas when you start looking at the flower part, mm. they're very different. Yeah. And it's, it's... But, yeah, you still need to have that physical difference, though, with plants, I think. Uh, when it comes in, down to DNA... Yes, yes, yeah, look, yes, it's, pretty, it's complex, yeah. isn't it? I remember my very early botany days at the third year, I said, well, what's a species? Oh, it's very simple. If the plants can cross in the wild, they're not a species. Mm. And if they can't, they're a species. Then we start going, well, hang on, what if it's in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere? You put them together, they cross. Mm. Oh, what about if it doesn't? Fl- they can't cross because they flower at different times of the month? Yeah. And you put them together and they start flowering at the same time of the month. Oh, and then, then it started to become really hard. Then DNA fingerprinting became a lot easier to, to mm. identify them. But it really mm. is complex. And then mm. sometimes... They've just got a different name because they're first described in different countries. Yes, oh, that's yeah, right. Oh, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Or they're uh, honouring someone with yeah, the name. That was yeah. the thing that um, uh, I remember being told when I was doing my um, horticultural course, mm. you know, that um, the laws of priority yeah. where uh, even if it was in some obscure Polish journal, it was yeah. named two weeks before it was named somewhere else yeah. with a, a much better known journal, you had to go back to the other yep. one. And that's caused all sorts of grief in horticulture so That's why you've got, why you got platypus, yeah. you know, because that name had already been used. Mm. But the one I always love is the classic Australian tree, the red, red gum. Mm. It's named after a nunnery in Italy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes logical sense. Uh, <laughs> totally logical. I <laughs> uh, love it all. We, we should do some more... Um, We're going to get to some community announcements. Yeah, we announcements. haven't done much in the way of community announcements. That's all right. People are probably far. still waking well, up. It's, it's, it's a, a gardening long weekend. Show. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> all right. Let's get to some community announcements. The uh, Victorian Iris Society has their show on today. It's only today from 11 till 4, 47 Miller Crescent, Mount Waverley, and it's $6 entry. That's the Victorian Iris Society. The Australian Pelagonium and Geranium Society has their show on this weekend. Today is the last day. Uh, That is 10 till 4 at NG Wishart Senior Citizens Centre, 964 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin. So that's 964 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin. Melway's reference. Love a Melway's reference. Yeah. Yes. Who still uses their Melway's? Oh, me. I love it. <laughs> Do you? Oh, no. I got sick of holding it up on the steering wheel as I was driving along. <laughs> I like my GPS. <laughs> uh, Melway's reference for that one, E 77E6 if you're – Still using it. So the Irish show is at Mount Waverley, $6 entry, and the Geranium and Pelagonian show and sales for that one too is at 964 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin, Melway's 77E6. The Yarra, Upper Yarra Garden Club is hosting their Open Gardens weekend this weekend. Let me get up that information. It's this weekend, so it was yesterday and today as well. The gardens open at 10 a.m. with last entry at 4 p.m. 
Um, it is cash only, so you just need to take some cash to the gardens uh, that you want to see. There's six gardens that are open. Um, $25 for all of them or $5 per single entry. Now, if it's the best way to get the information about this and where the gardens are is go to the yarravalleygardenclub.com uh, and you will have – there's heaps of information about their open garden weekend there. There's a number of gardens open uh, in Gladysdale, Wesburn, Milgrove, Warburton, a couple in Warburton. Uh, so that's the up the Yarra – sorry – the Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club um, Open Garden Weekend. They're really beautiful gardens They're too. stunning gardens, yeah. yes. Um, <clears throat> the Creswick, is it Creswick or Creswick? Creswick. Creswick. <laughs> yes. Not Berwick. No, not Berwick. <laughs> oh, oh, it gets me it. all the time. Um the Creswick Garden Club are hosting the Garden Lovers, their Garden Lovers Weekend. Uh, that's next weekend. There's open gardens, flower and craft shows, plant stalls and a raffle. If you're over that way, um, jump onto their website, creswickgardenclub.com, for more information on that. But also happening next weekend is another little show <laughs> called the Yarra Valley Plant Fair. Uh, which you and your wife generously host um, at 125 Quail Road in Wandon. It's getting a little, it's getting bigger every year, but it's a fantastic show, Clive. Like there's, there's the smaller growers there. Meryl's going to be there. There's a lot of our three CR team that's there, and it's just, it's a fantastic show. We're that trying you guys to put on. get a gardening show that brings people in to talk to people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah. Not a, a retail event, a place where people go passionate and different things, and it could be from we've got bird, the Australian bird people talking about birds on the farms, and then we've got Meryl with the seeds, and we've got the guys with the special perennials, and Peter from White House is doing a Pacific Coast iris display, which is a massive display of, of irises. And it's people who are really interested, and we've got Reuben from Wild Rose Nursery, who collects species roses, is releasing his new pretty and pink flower carpet type beautiful pink rose so it's all about enjoying your, your time and come and sitting and just talking to other people who you bump into about plants and we've got sophie thompson coming over from south australia and she'll be wandering around talking to people so it's 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 a show that's full of information mm. full of enthusiasm full of things you'd never see in the normal yeah. nurseries that's and it's just it. a fun day you can spend the whole day because there's so much to well, see and do and talk about want. and enjoy yeah. and sniff and yeah. feel. And we and want <laughs> people to sit and talk. We've got three different landscape designers doing actually landscapes there this year. So they're really different different products. And we want to sort of make like the Mifcus of the Yarra Valley where you've got so much range and volume and type and variety and fun. And we've had people come, like our, the, the receptionist at our medical centre went to a garden show. She'd never been to a garden show in her life. <laughs> and she now she goes every year. Yeah. And it's about... Just sitting and talking. She's not just drumming up business, is she? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you. They're not taking new businesses on like most, most radical places. But um, no, it's it, it is. We're, we're quite proud of what we're doing with the spring and the autumn one. And Steve, of course, comes yes, down. I, with go, the I go up for the autumn. First he he emcees the autumn one. Yeah, which is great fun. I love it. So yeah. And we're trying to encourage different and weird people. It's hard to get them. Well, you got me. I'm a different and weird person. <laughs> yeah, but... can't, get rid, can't get rid of you. No, can't get rid of me, no. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so hard. We've got new succulent growers. We've got the guy that uses our quarantine facility for his succulents, and he's got all his new stuff coming out. 
And we've got the guy that does our quarantine tunnel for his irises from Albury, and he's breeding irises, and they collect irises every year. And it's all about just fun and enjoying it. And there's the auction, which is always that's, great that's fun. That's the autumn one for the rare plant auction, so yes. that works well. And, and autumn is money for kids with cancer. This one we're trying to raise money for the CFA, and it's we just try to do different and fun things so we enjoy it more. It, it's really a, a gardener's community yeah. fun day out more than, as you say, it's not just a retail opportunity, no. although there's plenty of retail, I can tell you. Yeah. People oh, yeah. need trolleys. Bring a trolley. You, you and do. that's the other beautiful thing. There's, it's all nice and flat. It's so easy to walk around. There's heaps of tables and chairs. You know, it, it's just a very comfortable... F- Easy, fun day out. Yeah, and and that, there's some really unique plants you can buy as well. You know, you, you don't get growers bringing stuff, you know, that you get in standard retail nurseries as well. No. There's some specialist things going on. We, we need to support specialist growers so, so much. Uh, well, it's so, like, it's so hard. They we are. Do. Yeah, if we don't support them, we'll eventually lose them. Yeah. And we'll end up going to Bunnings and coming over well, the Golden Dials. We live, in a very lucky, <laughs> we live in a very lucky state in that Bunnings isn't as dominant in Victoria as it is in other states. So yeah. a lot of independent garden centres who get plants just from independent growers. growers, yeah. I remember when I first got in this industry, there's dozens of small wholesalers. Yes. We were selling all our weird perennials to, and they've dropped right off now. It gets a lot harder. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I think the the public is starting to come back again and wanting variety and range. Very much so. It's a common theme that people talk to me about. Mm. They'll ring up or they'll email and say, I I need this, I've seen this in a book or I've heard about this, can Mm. you get it for me? Have you got seed of it? Mm. Where can I get it? So there is a real thirst for different things and beautiful things and things that suit a particular place or a particular climate as Mm. well, which is also to be found at the Yarra Valley Plant yeah. Fair. We've had a text message come through for already from Bethany Nunnawad in Clive. Tell them about the scones, the best I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, true. There you go. Well, we actually have a friend who's been driving down from Goulburn, then last who from Kempsey, to make our scones. Well, she just had a, two knee reconstructions two weeks ago. <gasps> Uh-oh. So we've got someone else making the scones to her recipe. Oh, oh, right. Right. oh <laughs> They are stunning and we do about, she does about 600 scones over two days. Oh, my gosh. And they really are with the, she makes them with lemonade. And not just oh, cream, I've got to get a particular brand of a particular cream and it has a particular brand of a particular flour and they really are. And usually it's not just canned jam, I can tell you. It's good jam. She used to make the jam, so we had to pay someone else to make the jam. And I said, oh, it costs a fortune. Well, I think it's worth it because people come (laughs) just for the scones. People come just for the scones. (laughs) Um, Bethany's also asked if Mally Design are coming again because she can't source their bird baths elsewhere in Victoria. I'm not sure if Mally Design are coming in. Check again. your exhibit list. There's a couple of other announcements to get to, and then we'll yeah, get back right. to the um, to the fair. So, Open Gardens Victoria have three open gardens on next weekend as well. And as usual, they have generously given us one double pass for each of these three open gardens. So, what are they? Uh, Clontarf property is on 1 Burnett Road in Castle, Maine. They've got wonderful old trees, including gums and exotics like cedars and some newer bunya bunya pines. Uh, they've got a beautiful borrowed landscape from Forest Hall Garden next door with a walled vegetable garden, fruit trees, herbs, besides a children's play area as well. That's Clontarf in Burnett Road in Castle, Maine. 
Another one near Castlemaine next weekend, Hedgehogs uh, property. I've been to Hedgehogs. Ah, 60 uh, Hagues Road, Barker's yeah. Creek. Yeah. A, see if you agree with me, oh, right. Stephen. Yes. What, what a tranquil, eclectic garden designed mm. to be a safe haven for birds and a mob of kangaroos that live there as well. Um, sits in the central dry Victorian landscape, yet there's water and green and a feeling of peace within. The garden paths wander through walled gardens, secret gardens, sculpture gardens mm. and native areas um, with another area set aside for growing food as well. There's a ha-ha wall overlooking a park area with an 80-metre dry creek bed and native plantings as well. Um, there's a small dam surrounded by yarrow, yellow iris, more walled gardens with citrus and avocado as well. Hedgehogs, 60 Hagues Road, Barker's Creek. Yes, uh, and I would agree with all of that. Um, uh, it's got lovely ponds, it's got great water features, um, and uh, Mori and Margot, who are the owners, uh, were on our French tour uh, earlier in the year. Right, and, and so they we, got a lot of ideas, I yeah, bet. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's no holding them back. Uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a reunion up there, which sometimes happens when you have groups yes. go away. So they invited everybody up to Hedgehogs, and we had they've got a pizza oven in the garden. So we had a luncheon up there a few weeks ago, and it is just a lovely, lovely spot to be. And um, um, yeah, so it's it's and it's the house sits beautifully into the environment. It's a, an old home. Oh, sounds um, gorgeous, and it is. It's really worth it. Lovely place. I mean. What other excuse do you need to go for a weekend regional, a little weekend away in regional mm. Victoria and check out some old gardens? Yeah. Like, living the dream. Oh, it's got a Gordon Ford um, pond in the garden at Hedgehogs too. Well, that wasn't in the description no. that I was given. Yeah. Yes, it's lovely. It's got a waterfall coming down over a rock. Oh, and it's just this gorgeous, lo gorgeous. Lovely pond oh, in well, the garden. Maybe Saturday, Saturday I'll go to the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and then Sunday I can yeah, head up can to Castlemaine. Yeah, do both. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right, the third open garden next weekend, which is sort of in the vicinity, but this uh, is Lee Adams Garden in Flora Hill which is one of the little, would you call it a suburb of yes, Bendigo? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it is a wonderful example of what can be achieved in a small space. So they do lack a little bit of sunlight, which has been a little bit of a challenge for them. But Lee has managed to create a lush green garden with a variety of mature trees un with underplantings punctuated by garden sculptures. Lee's art gallery is on site. It's called Wired for Living, where her work... Oh, yeah, that's great. And that of Barry McLaughlin can be found. There's sculpture displays and sales of artworks at the opening. And everyone will love Lee's enthusiasm for gardens and plants as this also extends to her nature strip where visitors can see drifts of grasses interspersed with various shrubs and an olive tree. So all of the open gardens are $10 for adults, $6 for tertiary students and under 18s are free. You can pre-book via Try Booking. But... Uh, for our beautiful listeners here, uh, if you call up now on 94190155, we have one double pass for each of these three gardens. So I'll just read out the names of them again. The first one that I spoke about is Clontarf, and that is 1 Burnett Road in Castlemaine. Then there's Hedgehogs, 60 Hagues Road, Barker's Creek, and Lee Adams Garden, 123 Neal Street, Flora Hill, Bendigo. 
So give Doug a call, 94190155, and you can jump on and grab those open garden passes. Mm. And that area, that old goldfield, central goldfields area, has got so much history. It's got an atmosphere that's like nowhere else in Australia. Well, it's the absolute hub of, like, Victoria's garden state mm. yes. status, I suppose. Yes. With the, you know, it was such a wealthy area. It was wealthy. The architecture reflects that. And, and it in many places, very well preserved. Although mm. the day they pulled down all the iron lacework verandas through the main streets of Bendigo was one of Australia's <laughs> tragic days. Oh, dear. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I used to live in Bendigo. Oh, did you? Did you grow up there? <laughs> I grew up on a farm north of Bendigo, but I taught at the university in Bendigo for oh, a good 10 years. What did you teach? Fine arts. Okay, before you started growing plants? No, I started growing plants when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can't have been a teacher before that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a very beautiful area, so highly encouraged to go up. Mm. I reckon Yarra Valley one day, Yes. Central yes. Goldfields the next yeah. day. When is, Sounds like a plan. When I is reckon. too many gardens, never enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, Clive's out to nick off, but Stephen, the Yarra Valley Plant Fair. Yes. Um, there's. We were just talking before about all the exhibitors that are there. I mean, Ben Brooker from our team, our three CR gardening mm, show. Yes. He's always there. Ben was there. up on the mount yesterday with his lovely wife, and they they came up to the Bluebell Festival up at Denier, oh, did they? So they called in to see me and went out with a box of plants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm what a surprise. <laughs> yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yeah. There's no actual no surprise in that. But anyhow, um, there was a bit of whinging and carrying on because they weren't in his vehicle. They were in her vehicle and they were dirty plants. <laughs> but anyhow, they got them home, I think, in one piece. And uh, they did. It was a very eclectic mixture of things that they went off Good. with. <laughs> well, and actually, this year at the Yarra Valley Plant Fair, I'll be one of the keynote speakers. So I'm really looking forward to that. What topic are you speaking on? Uh, well, they've asked me to talk about uh, unusual and interesting things that you can grow for your garden from seed. Mm. So it'll involve... Uh, lots of different things, new releases, beautiful colours of old existing plants or just fun, new and exciting things, but ones that are really quick and easy to grow from seed. So, And, and of course, the speakers thing is, is another one of the really good parts of the, Absolutely. Of the fair. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, because, you know, out throughout the two days, you've got different people, either stallholders or others coming in to speak on specific Expert topics. Expert topics. And uh, it's a great way to learn a lot and... And sort of have a little break between buying. And yeah. it's you lovely. Sort of there's lots of chairs. There's big shady trees. Yeah. You can take a break and listen to a speaker. Yeah. You can melt away from the back without causing yeah. effects. Yeah. And, and they're quite unique topics that they're talking about. Yes, like what, and like there's a published are. program, so you can select yeah. things that you're really interested in as well. Meryl, how many the I'm trying. I was trying to think last night how long they've been hosting the plant fair. How many shows? Have you done... What do you reckon, Stephen? Uh, Maybe five is it or five, six a, years? Was there a couple before COVID? Yeah, there was a couple before COVID. Yes. They, they took over the autumn one from Teslas, who'd been doing it for some years. Yes. Uh, I can't remember how long the spring one's been going, though, because it was going before they took over the autumn one. Yes. So the spring one was their first 
yet. Plants but here. COVID sort of made a break in things for us, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's really your, hard your memory to of before COVID yeah. is getting oh, hazy. Truly, COVID brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, so it's but, been going for quite a while now, and it just mm, seems to be getting better and better. It does every get year. better and better as more and more people become aware of it, and you just get such interesting people coming to visit you on your stand or or listen to the talks, etc. And they ask really good <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah, well, one of my friends, they they live in Seville, and they went last. November for the mm. first time and they've got young kids and they just loved it because there was heaps of stuff for the little kids to yeah, do. Yeah, they always have yeah. pit or something yeah. and there's yeah. other things for the kids yeah. to, to get engaged with, which and I think is good. Small kids. enough but big enough that mum and dad couldn't just wander around as well. Yeah, yeah. Great so, yes. environment. Yeah. But um, Clive's unfortunately had to dash away, but he's left me with these new plants that uh, Reuben Neustig from... Wild Rose Nursery is actually going to release as a new release at at the, at the show. Yes, at the the Yarra Valley Plant Fair, and he's called it that pretty little pink thing, <laughs> <laughs> an unusual <Quirky>. name, <laughs> but it is somewhat what apropos it, though. Yeah, the uh, name because fits it is perfectly. a pretty little pink thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will cause a bit of confusion though if people come into the nursery and they say, oh, "I want one of those pretty little oh. pink things." That's going to drive nurseries insane because <laughs> they're not going to know that it's actually the cultivar name of something. Well, usually, usually people say that little green thing or that white yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. So I suppose yeah, the pink narrows it, it down a bit. Leads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that that will be fun, and it is actually is very that sweet. A, is it a ground? Is it a carpet rose or ground cover? Or just apparently, a small... it is a carpet rose. Yes. Right. Um, and from something Clive said, uh, it it's possibly an even better carpet rose than the carpet roses uh, for the job it does. It's called a landscaping floribunda, which indicates to me that it's one that you can just mow off with the whippersnipper mm-hmm. and keep it nice and dense and and uh, floriferous. And uh, I haven't got my glasses on. Says small, sweetly fragrant, vibrant pink. I think that's a good description. It is resoundingly yeah. deep magenta. Well, I've got a bit pink. of a stuffy nose. I can pick up a little bit of scent, but my my sensory gland isn't working very well at the moment because I've got a stuffy nose. It says very hardy, small to medium sized bush does well in any soil type. Tolerant of drought and damp conditions. Oh, both ends. Uh, plant in full sun or partial shade, planted as a hedge or along a fence, enjoys heavy pruning after a bloom flush. So, yeah, what, mow it off with the whippersnipper and Absolutely. let it come up to another flush. Absolutely. Flowers. No, it's a tough little critter. Oh, right. well, there you go. So that'll be up there for people to see. So. This is the 3CR Gardening Show this morning. I'm Chloe Foster and I have Meryl Johnson and Stephen Ryan in the studio with me this morning. Uh, we're halfway through or almost done with the community announcements. Stephen, you had oh, a couple. Oh, yes, I've got a couple. Um, I was down in Geelong on Friday night at the opening of the 8th Biennial um, uh, Nature uh, Botanic Art Show exhibition, and it's being held at the Deakin University Waterfront Gallery um, in Cunningham Street, so it's virtually on the... Sure. Uh, it's a wonderful building. It's a really good uh, space for exhibits. And I think they've got well over 100 works uh, from botanic artists who 
are connected with the Geelong Botanic Gardens in some way. They're either students that uh, have learnt there or they're tutors that teach there uh, and all that sort of thing. So there's a, a range of paintings to look at. They're all for sale. Um, it's open from 10 till 4, closed on Sundays but open the rest of the week and it runs right through to December the 9th. But because there's a little bit of time involved, don't leave it till the last minute. <laughs> you know, if you get a chance, go down, have a look at the exhibition. Uh, obviously, they'd love it if you bought something because uh, it helps raise funds for the um, for the uh, Friends of the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Which are a beaut group. They yeah. are a fantastic group of people. And, of course, the Geelong Botanic Gardens is a really good garden oh, as it's well. A, it's, and getting better and, and better it every is. year. It's remarkable. Yep. So, uh, and it's only five minutes away from the gallery. So I would say a day in Geelong because you could go and spend a good hour or two looking at the botanic art. It's really worth it. Uh, and then you could uh, Stroll toodle the off, uh, get a lunch somewhere. Yep. Um, there's lots of good cafes and restaurants and things around the that area. The waterfront is really nice oh, now. it's so nice yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. lovely. Yeah. And then you could tootle up to the gardens and spend the afternoon wandering around the Botanic Gardens. Or if you're a Geelong local, because we do have a widespread listener well, of base. Course. Sometimes I think we do. Sometimes no one calls and I think it's just us talking to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do <laughs> no, no, but... trust me, they're out there. <laughs> Yeah, if so you live, you, this is something to do for the day. It is. It's just fantastic. I was very impressed with the quality of the work. Um, and there's, you know, large-scale works as well as, as, as smaller, more intimate works, a uh, huge range of prices and things involved. And, uh, yeah, and I guess the longer you leave it to, the more works are likely to be sold if you're really actually in the market for something. So I would go earlier rather than later if yeah, you really want idea. to get a painting. Mm, yeah. Um, and, yeah, beautiful stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's at the Deakin University Waterfront uh, Gallery uh, in Cunningham Street and uh, definitely worth a, a trip in. 3rd of November to the 9th of December, yeah. Monday to Saturday. Yeah, so there you four. go. So go and have a look. I think it's very worthwhile. And I guess the other thing I wanted to mention a little in advance uh, is that my own garden is open for Open Gardens Victoria um, on the first weekend in December. So Tagurium, you'll find it on their um, websites Website. and stuff. Um, and it's 10 till 4.30 uh, and it's the 2nd and 3rd, I think, of December. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so we're getting the garden. Well, I'm getting the garden in order because Craig's overseas for three weeks. <laughs> I don't Good quite know how timing. that worked. But yeah, Good timing, yeah, Craig. Yeah, I thought his timing was impeccable. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so I'm sort of busily keeping on going and trying to find those bits of sticky weed that's, hide and come up through the top of things. Well, and... you need to fix your cornrows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I might I have enough might time to, to start now. another batch You've got time week. now to yeah. start a fresh because batch. Because everyone will be watching. Yeah, yeah. That's right, exactly. spoken about your potentially yeah. crappy-looking My, my broad beans are looking good, yeah, and the, and the lettuce and the spinach and, and, and the rhubarb's all fantastic. So there are some things looking good. Yeah. Um, and I think I've still got a few meals left out of the globe artichokes as well. Oh, uh, yes, ours are looking stunning uh, at the moment. Gee, they're architectural, wonderful plants. Yeah, that's the only downside of them, though. They're such beautiful-looking plants. You hate cutting the flower buds off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it does have some impact on the beauty of the plant once the flower head disappears. Mm. Uh, but anyhow, I enjoy eating them, so I'm just not going to... How do you cook up. them, Stephen? The simplest way possible. Just steam them. I, well, I don't steam them. I just put them into non-salted water, and I just boil them for about 40 minutes, 
and then I just put pepper over them and depending on how I'm feeling, I'll either douse them in butter if I'm feeling lavish or I'll douse them in olive oil if I'm feeling careful <laughs> um, and, uh, and just peel them and... And, and, and yeah, gnaw them out. Yeah. What I love about eating them too is it takes a long time so yeah. you can really sit over the table and And of course you're heading and... towards the bit in the middle which is the best bit. Oh, so the anticipation <laughs> yeah, so of you build getting the anticipation to yes. towards that yes. wonderful, yes. chewy, tasty bit in the middle. Um, so, yes, I do love them. I think yeah. they're a great vegetable. They're a great uh, food lover. They're decorative but just so wonderful yeah. for food lovers. But they're, a, they're a, uh, an indulgence yes. food. Uh, yes. I like things that uh, – it's, it's same with asparagus. I mean, they take up so much room. Uh, it takes ages before your asparagus crowns are big enough to start eating. Uh, and so it's a, it's a real indulgence and, a, and you know, it, it – once you do start getting them, though, uh, they taste better than anything you buy in the shops. Oh, you much. Pick them and cook them straight away. Oh, and they've got flavour. Yeah, and I think it's just wonderful. That's what we so, did yesterday morning for breakfast. We mm-hmm. harvested asparagus, steamed it right then, had it on the front veranda with yummy sauce on it. Yeah. and Oh, so oh, good. A <laughs> couple of poached eggs, maybe? No, no, no just, just, just a big plate full of asparagus. Honouring the asparagus. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. So right. anyhow, there the, you go. So the, the gardens le- open then. All of the tickets for Open Gardens Victoria, the, the first two, the Castlemaine Gardens, have gone. The Lee Adams Garden in Flora Hill, Bendigo, those tickets are still up for grabs. Someone did text message in um, saying they would love some tickets, so... The person um, whose name is omitted, um, the Lee Adams Garden is still available if you want to call on 94190155 to grab them. Now, I will open the phone lines. Well, the phone line is that same number. If you want to call in um, and ask us a question or chat to us this morning, so it's 94190155. And we've already had some people text message in. So if you haven't got that number saved in your phone, it's 0488 809 855 if you want to send a text message. We can't accept photos um, via the text message line, so just text only. Traditional. Mm, now we do go. have a caller on the line. Uh, we must say good morning to Chris. Good morning, everyone. How are you this morning? Good, thanks. How are you? Excellent, excellent. And now, what can we do you for this morning? You can do for me um, the Bromeliard uh, Society of Victoria has got their Bromeliard show on next weekend, um, the 11th and 12th. Uh, down at 964 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin, just south of South Road. Um, I think every every year for the last few years I've rung in and um, and uh, informed you good folk of the uh, Bromeliard show. There's lots and lots on, as you as I've heard already, but um, we'll uh, hopefully get some people along to the um, to see a few Broms. Yeah, fantastic, wonderful group of plants. Absolutely. Well, we certainly think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be collecting them if you did, would you? Exactly. I, so, I, I wouldn't have about 4,500 pots in my backyard if I love them. <laughs> oh, dear. oh, you're a, a collector to admire. Go for it. Oh, well, yeah, so Saturday and Sunday next weekend? Saturday and Sunday. Saturday 9 till 4, Sunday 10 till 3. Okay. And the address again? Uh, nine. It's the NG Wishart uh, Senior Citizen Centre, which is at 964 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin. Fantastic. Beautiful. So that's the same 
the geranium and pelargonium show is in the yep. same property on that weekend, so that's fantastic. Like you can support no, both of those societies. Yeah, I think their shows on this weekend. I think you are well, correct. Yeah. You are correct it's on yeah, this so weekend. Yeah, hopefully they're the tidied dress. up after themselves yeah. so <laughs> that you can move in. <laughs> yeah, don't do, don't do that too. Sorry, me, Chris. Last year there was a double booking. And oh we gosh, I'm sorry. Yes, no, the, that's, it's that's the same address, different dates. Yeah. Same address, different date. Yeah. Sorry yeah, about that. that. Well, once they've found the Pelagonium show, they'll be able to find the Bromeliad yes. show the following exactly. weekend. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be the entree to the uh, to the main course. Yeah. No, it's um. There's a number of there's the the orchid show there's a there's a um, uh, the pelargoniums there's uh, begonias it's a very good space for um, showing plants. Fantastic! It's it's trying to compete with um, uh, the one in Miller Road, Glen Waverley. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, there's just so many on this time of year. It's just the, the, almost the perfect time in some ways. Yes, it is. Yes. It is the perfect time for that. I mean, it's it, gardener's heaven at the yeah, moment, isn't it? Is. It is absolutely. It so is. Um, we are, we we try. And, I mean, Broms. There's always Broms of some sort out anyway across the year. But um, this is the this is the, the very best time, I guess, for. A lot of uh, a lot of colourful broms um, and um, and lots of plants to buy. Beautiful. All which, right, Chris. Which... Well, all the best next weekend. Thank you for that, and and, uh, and thank you for allowing me to um, to spruik the show. Any time, you can call up any time. Thanks. Have very a good much. weekend. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Enjoy. Okay, I've had a text message come in from a listener asking, "What time does the parking open at the Yarra Valley?" garden i'm guessing the yarra valley plant fair yeah. so the show opens the show is open from 10 a.m till 5 p.m and the parking opens probably about half an yeah, hour before. Uh, i would say you'd certainly be safe if you arrived um half an hour before yeah and there is heaps of parking there's yeah. heaps of yeah, parking. you're not going to miss out there's a whole paddock that they can park in a whole yeah. paddock there can be a bit of a lineup getting into the driveway yes. so yes. i would aim to Get there or get in line about yeah. nine thirty if you can get there in the morning. Otherwise, yeah. the line sort of died down once the initial the rushes. Afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, you are listening to the Three CR Gardening Show. My name is Chloe Foster, and in the studio with me this morning is Meryl Johnson from Seedscape Seeds and Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants. Now, Meryl, you brought in a few little seed packets. I What do you have. want to chat about? <laughs> Today I brought seeds of two different sorts of poppies. And I'd hope to encourage some of our listeners to phone in and either ask a question on air or if you're a little bit shy, you can leave your question with the producer or you can text in. But we do need to have your name and address because I would like to send you a packet of poppy seed for each person who wants Ooh, to call in and buns. <laughs> <laughs> you could. No, let's just grow them in the garden yeah, and right. enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> but the two different sorts of poppies that I brought in were some of the perennial poppies, which of course are permanent plants. Well, permanent in the fact that they're there for you for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Although some people do get a bit alarmed when they die away in the summer, thinking that they've lost them. But it's just a, a natural protection that the plant has built in 
to save it from extreme hot weather over the summer. I'd so, like to be able to go dormant in the summer sometimes. Yeah, I think yeah. so, yes. I think it's, it's a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's I think a great it's a thing because <laughs> you need less water and, yeah. you know, you're having a nice quiet snooze and then yeah. as soon as the first autumn rains come, they, they pop away again. And, of course, they are the queens of the spring garden, vying with the roses and the perennials for being spectacular and gaudy and blousy and huge and just utterly gorgeous. They're the perennial poppies, which the clump lives for many, many years. And then the second family that I brought in are some of the annual poppies, the self-seeding annual poppies, often called peony poppies. Although if they had their correct name, they would be better known as opium poppies. But I hasten to add, mm-hmm. these are not good ones for illicit uses. <laughs> well, I mean, no one's going to want them, Errol. No, no. absolutely <laughs> yes, yes, not. Yes. No, no, there's no point in having them for, for yeah. naughty things. They're, yeah. they're just extremely decorative, huge. I love them for their foliage as much as anything. Well, I do too. The they're big, broad, yeah, lettuce silvery, silver blue, yeah. sea green. Mm. And, and that colour of foliage really sets off the flower colours, yeah. Stephen, I believe, because the flower colours are outrageously, intensely coloured and these big, blousy Edwardian blooms, although you can also get um, quite uh, single, simple ones, which have an elegance of mm. their own too. But it's the rich jewel-like colours, I think, that are, are so lovely. So ones that I'd particularly like to draw gardeners' attention to is, first of all, in the perennial poppies, just a great big simple white one called Royal Wedding, or sometimes known as Checkers. It, it has two two different names. But it's a big open bowl of a, a white bloom, and they have the most beautiful silky pleated texture uh, and a silky sheen to the, the petals. So oh, that would be gorgeous, very a white beautiful. And, and with a big black band in the centre. I was so going to say, has it got that, that dark centre like it a lot has. of the perennial poppies it's get, It's got which a I beautiful... Love crown in the centre which turns into the seed pod eventually so this this dark crown and then a a black band broad black band around it and then going straight into the the uh, the silky white petals so petals so royal wedding is that perennial poppy and then another that I love um, because of its texture again and and the form of the flower it's another very big bloom um, called may queen and it's a double so it oh, opens out flat, but it, it's got several layers of heavily pleated petals. So it really looks like, do you remember way, way back, pleated? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do, Stephen. <laughs> Although perhaps not up your street, yeah. but uh, those those perma-pleated skirts that ladies Oh, yeah, no, I don't remember those. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think you would. <laughs> but that's what it looks like, that it's had a permanent pleat press. Uh, the the texture on the petals is, is lovely. Although when I say orange, I can hear gardeners, you know, running and screaming in horror. I love orange. Yeah. But I it's, think it's, a, the best it's colour. soft and mm. glowing and, and sort of almost a peachy orange. So it's not a not a horrible abrasive colour. I but figure if you're going to be orange, you might as well, might be, as well be properly orange. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, I have to say, I mean, you know, these these wussy plants that pretend to be orange. Uh, <laughs> you like it? Own it. Yeah, okay, own, you own just, the colour. Okay, that's doubloon. That's a great big one. That's fiercely orange. Yeah, so. yeah, I love those sort of things. And I think those sort of colours in a garden, I have to say, um, 
sidetracking everybody just a tiny bit. In our hot summers, bright hot colours stand out Actually better stand out than well. really uh, pastel, sh- delicate colours because they tend to disappear on a hot day. Mm. Yeah. You really can't see them. The light's too intense. Well, one of the best colour combinations in our garden at the moment, I have to confess, was a pure accident. Oh, you don't have to confess. <laughs> <laughs> I never do. <laughs> but I, I planted some perennial poppies, which I believe to be royal wedding, yeah. white with the big black centre. And I planted them underneath some apricot roses and together with some deep purple-coloured aquilegias. And I thought, oh, this would be, you know, apricot, deep purple and white. It'll be a lovely, very (laughs) classical, tasteful colour. Well, the royal weddings turned out to be doubloons, which are fiercely, aggressively orange. And it's the best spot in the garden at the moment. It looks stunning. It would work really well with dark aquilegias. Yeah, dark Those sort of oranges would work exceedingly well. They just pop and they complement the... Apricot roses, yeah. so it worked perfectly well. But now let's go on to the uh, the annual poppies, which I just love. The common name, peony poppies, and that really describes them because the blooms are very large. They can be up to 15 centimetres across and uh, very, very fluffy doubles. Some have fimbriated petals, really slashed edges to the mm. petals, um, and they come in the most gorgeous range of colours, from pure white to soft lilac, violets, um, pinks. I've got a lovely one called Flemish Antique, which is cream with a, a deep burgundy edge to it and Ooh. just a lovely range <laughs> of colours. And they're little beauties because they are annual self-seeders, so they make a massive show. Then they set a heap of seed and it can either spread itself or you can gather the, the pods and uh, pop them into a brown paper bag and until they drop, I like and the then pods to use for decorating. They're the wonderful. Poppy pods are the prettiest They're things. Gorgeous. I yes. love them. Agreed. I love the way the top zips open yeah. to yeah. let the seeds out. Yeah. It's, it's a gorgeous yeah, they form. Are. They're wonderful. Lovely. It's a really upside thoughtful down. structure. It's sort of you, you know. Oh, yeah. It's been really thought out well. Yeah, it's highly evolved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and gorgeous. you just harvest them, hang them upside down in a nice, cool, dark place to let them dry. And they're, mm. as Stephen says, they're gorgeous. Yeah, and they're really useful in the house because you know it's. Time to dust when they get covered in cobwebs. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody's living inside the zip. Yeah, you that's know, right, exactly. No, it's yes, time when to the spiders clean come up. out to find you. Uh, Meryl, so, we've, sorry, Meryl, you keep going. Go ahead. Well, we've had a, um, a listener, Anne in Northcote, has messaged in saying she would love a packet to try again, but she's had trouble growing poppies. So could. Uh, could you give some information on what to add to the soil or any other cultivation tips? When to sow, I her. think, is the big yes. trick with a lot of hot poppies. Yes, yeah. Well, sort of do it when they do it naturally. So they're blooming at the moment, and shortly they will be setting seed. That seed will be dropping. So, so late summer, you can do them? it now, or you can okay. do it early in spring. Right. And uh, one of the best tricks, I think particularly with the annual self-seeding poppies, they prefer to germinate in the dark. So if you use a little bit of uh, grit, you know, like uh, fine bluestone chippings, I find is ideal, 
and uh, you scatter the poppy seed into that, and that's the perfect home for them. If you they come up in the driveway quite well. I was about to say the best place they always self-sow yeah. is in the gravel garden or on the gravel path. Yeah. Or when I was a young gardener, I was very worried about growing these poppies because they did pop up naturally in our garden when we first took over the property. And I was enough of a horticulturalist to know that that looked damn like an opium poppy. And I was very worried about, you know, someone would dob me in for (laughs) getting arrested. So Uh, one day I was down in in our our little country town of um, Trafalgar nearby and I was walking along, oh, my God, the entire front garden of the Trafalgar police station was thick with these poppies. So I figured <laughs> I figured if it was okay for the Trafalgar constable, it was okay for me. And then I discovered, of course, that they don't have the alkaloids in them in any sort of concentration that, you know, would make them of, of interest to naughty people. But uh, they are just the most stunning plants. But they do like to germinate amongst gravel because they like the darkness. So, so you, you could sow them in, you know, in some little trays or punnets put the gravel on top, Yes. Do you, would you then put it in a no. dark area or is it just the darkness from the gravel? The darkness gravel? from the gravel seems to be enough. But yep. I would lay the gravel first and then just scatter them amongst. And poppy seed is incredibly fine. It's like dust. Okay. So when you get the packet of seed, make sure you put some, uh, some sand, finely sieved sand or finely sieved seed raising mix is what I use, mm. just bung a good teaspoon full into the packet, shake like mad, and then sow that, and that spreads the seed mm. better. And they're better in situ, aren't they? I was about to say, that, that's the next trick, ah. because all poppies hate root disturbance. So I don't sow mine outdoors because I'm mean and nasty <laughs> and I hate sharing with the mice and the antichinus <laughs> and the birds and, oh. you know, everyone else who eats all the just slugs and for a feed. They're just Meryl. looking for a feed, but <laughs> no, I'm too mean and nasty. <laughs> so I do sow mine indoors, but you've got this problem with poppies. They hate root disturbance. So I actually sow them, having put the seed into a medium like the, the finely sieved seed raising mix, shake like mad inside the bag and just sow the tiniest pinch in a deep pot and then you just transplant the whole pot when they've yeah, germinated. So you don't divide your seedlings. You never divide them, right. you never prick them out, you just plant them like little clumps. Take and it out of the pot and put it into yeah, a Yeah, just dump it in yep. holus bolus. Or you can use little jiffy pots if you like and then you don't disturb them at all. They just grow through the, the walls of the jiffy pot. Could you, if you don't, live in an area that is ridden with the animals that you just listed, yes. could you direct seed direct Yeah, absolutely. Into a they, they do it themselves. Yeah. You just need a greater quantity of seed because you need the attrition yeah. rate for, <laughs> to give everybody yeah. else a feed. Um, and and soil-wise as well. So they tend uh, to, organic matter, well-drained? They, they must have well-drained, but, yeah, they, they're not – they're not heavy feeders. Yeah, yeah they're so, not fussy about soil. Not really, really fussy. No, no. Mm. Where you can grow roses, um, general garden plants, you can grow p- 
poppies. They're not not at all tricky. Um, the perennial ones like a bigger feed, they are heavier feeders because they have to each year produce this, this massive crop of very big flowers. So you would feed them more. Mm. But the and annuals... they have sort of a deep, tappy root they too, do, don't they? They do, which Whereas is why the they... Sub- don't tend to do that. No, that's right. Um, and and that's why they can survive the hot summers so well because they've got such a good... Sol- they're, they're almost like dahlia tubers, a good established mm. clump of perennial mm. poppies. Uh, Priscilla from Pakenham has asked if poppies can be grown in a pot. Could you just leave them in a pot if you germinated them? Ah, uh, sure. Um, the annual ones, very happy to grow in a pot. I've, yeah. I've got some in pots at the moment. I'm hoping that they'll bloom in time for the Yarra Valley Plant Fair next weekend. <laughs> Come on, poppies. <laughs> yeah, do some poppying. <laughs> if you're growing perennial poppies in a pot, then it needs to be quite a substantial pot because they are, they've got that big root system and uh, almost tuber-like root system and they need plenty of room and plenty of tucker. But, okay. yes, they both grow very successfully in pots. Right. Great show from the annual ones in a pot. Beautiful. Well, if anyone is interested in some of those poppies that Meryl's just talked about, you need but to make contact to with us. But they have a question. Yes. <laughs> you have to ask a question. And it's not, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very well. (laughs) A couple of text messages that have come through while Meryl's been talking. Um, Hey, Meryl, I absolutely adore all kinds of poppies but never have any success growing them. I need all your growing tips, please. So that hopefully that came through while we're chatting about it. So hopefully, Anne, we've we've covered it. Otherwise, if there's any other questions, message and call in again. Um, A listener who remains nameless says, you do have listeners in Geelong. If people visit Geelong, it's worth having a walk through the play space next to the Botanic Gardens, especially if you have kids. Um, It's a nature-based play area with some amazing trees for climbing on. So thank you, Geelong listener, for the hot tip. Good. Good. Wendy in South Gippsland. Hi, Meryl and panel. Um, Some well-meaning soul here has cut down the opium poppy stalks with its green seed heads. Oh, blow. After the flower has finished. Is there any chance that the seed will still be any good? Oh, well, you could... Uh, it depends on how, how far how how advanced, along they were. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If they'd started to brown and dry, then I'd yeah, say then yes. I'd go yes. Harvest the heads, put them in a brown mm. paper bag in a cool, dry place and hope for the best. Otherwise, you'll just have to buy a packet of seed from Merrill. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy, call in and give us your details. You have asked a question. Uh you know, she did say green seed heads in brackets rather than dry. So it yeah, doesn't it's sound like not mature looking enough. very no, promising. No. It's surprising what will germinate from immature seed, but I don't think poppies is yeah. one of those things no, I would want to try. They from. need to get nice and ripe. Yeah, yep. I would have said so. And and catching the seed is actually you've got to watch very carefully because it goes from green to opening the zip and letting them all out mm. <laughs> within a day or two. So yeah. If you um, can't go away. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you want to catch the seed. All right. We have another caller on the line. One of our regular callers, John from Melton Botanic Gardens. Good morning. Oh, good, morning good morning, John. Good morning, Stephen. How oh, are I've you? Become, I'm good. I've become a regular caller. Wow. Yeah, yes. You, good. You, you, yeah, you'll be one of those we'll block eventually. But you know. <laughs> I classify you as a regular caller. All oh, right. I... Uh, just wanted to mention that one of your uh, distinguished presenters 
is uh, giving a presentation at this Wednesday's Friends of the Melton Botanic oh, Garden yes. meeting. I hope you haven't forgotten. Steve. No, it's in, it's in the diary. <laughs> I haven't started getting organised for it, but I will shortly. Okay. He's a busy and, boy. Yeah, clogging up and, the case. And the presentations on uh, Californian, Central and South American plants. So Stephen, I'm sure, will bring along a few specimens. Yes, I'll have a few things for people to look at. Yeah, uh, but uh, it fits in. We um, have commenced planting in uh, our main Californian Central South American uh, bed at the um, Melton Botanic Garden. And um, it's about 77 metres by about 50 metres and about up to six metres off the ground. Um, so mm. it's an extensive area. Um, so we've got a few plants in there already, but we're still mulching and planting and doing all that sort of thing and watering, of course, what we've got. So it's going to be impressive, but we have a smaller Californian Central South American garden that's about um, 25 metres by 30 metres as a triangle, and that's got a lot of the plants that we were testing out for the main garden bed. So that looks quite spectacular at the moment with um, a range, a section of cacti and succulents, and uh, then shrubs and um, other smaller colourful plants and things. John, where... Where oh, yeah. in the gardens is these Californian beds located? Are um, they down near the freeway uh, end? Yes, one is on the east side of the lake. So you, you, you can go along now Collins Road that mm. goes all the way on the east side. And this year we've uh, finished planting uh, Queen's Jubilee um, Avenue, which runs all 450 metres along there. With, uh, we've planted about 450. 50, no, 500 uh, native plant and native trees. Uh, so that'll certainly look spectacular one day, but it looks, you can see see it emerging now. Some There's advanced uh, trees and some things in tube stock, so that's mm. growing well. Uh, the nature play space um, near the rotundas um, was opened about two months ago. Um, so that, that's attracting a lot of visitors as well, and it's a one-kilometre walk around the lake, yeah. So, yeah, and, there's, and of course, the West Australian plants are looking good, the mm. Southern Africans looking good, so, yeah. And, and the main um, bed we've got with the Californian and Central South American plants in it is at the north end of the garden, um, just across from where the nursery is. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah, I know that bed, but, yeah. But I, I better mention where... Wednesday night's meeting is. Yes. Good idea. I think I've got that written down <laughs> yeah. somewhere as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope you have. It's uh, 7.30 this Wednesday, and it's a Bridge Road Community Centre, and that's 260 Bridge Road, and the parking is round the back. Uh, yeah. Or you can park at the front and Beautiful. walk around. But, yeah, it should be good. So we regularly get about uh, 30 to 40 people and uh, have a... Um, a great presentation, and uh, then some, and this time it's me, <laughs> and uh, it's it's free, so um, that's good, and we um, we have a great time. Yeah. Beautiful, thank you, love it, John. <laughs> yes, thanks. Well done, John. Because yeah. although I said it's in my diary and it is, um, <laughs> I didn't have a piece of paper in front of me, so I forgot to mention it. That's all right. <laughs> okay. Thanks for all calling right. in, John, right. and thanks for all the work with the botanic gardens that that you and okay. the friends group do. It's an incredible. Public yes, garden. it's wonderful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
All right. Speak okay. soon. Bye. See you on uh, Wednesday, John. I'll see you then, Stephen. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, that garden is getting bigger and bigger. I take We take students there, but we get through the top, the Eucalyptus yeah. Arboretum, and then down to the sort of um, aloe, the aloe yeah, beds yeah, sort of and the Protea, South, South African, African area. Yeah. Uh, and then we hit the lake, and then that—that's been half a day. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then they're they're doing all the work down the south end of mm. the garden, in the California beds around the lake and on the freeway side. It's a huge botanic garden. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's an enormous we, asset, and it's one so of those lucky. things that people yeah. don't know enough no. about. No, um, it's so worth a drive out there just to wander around the botanic gardens. It's just fabulous. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Mm. All right, a couple more text messages. Um, Wendy, t- message us back or call us back with your details if you want a packet of seeds. Uh, Anne from Rup says she's also enjoying Meryl's chat on poppies. It has a question. How long can she leave poppy seeds in a brown bag in storage for? Ah, oh, years. One of the different seeds have different periods of viability. Some things like delphiniums, you really are best to sow them within the first year of harvest. And we always make sure that we, you know, only offer seeds at a a current year in delphiniums. But poppies have a viability of up to 25 years. Oh, so there's oozle time yet. (laughs) Massive time. time. And, and, uh, you know, one of the poppies that's most loved is the Flanders poppy, Mm. the the red. Mm. By the way, there's lots of other derivatives of that original red Flanders poppies in gorgeous colours, even pure white. Um, But the old original red one is the most loved because of its uh, association with the First World War. And it became so associated because... It bloomed in abundance after the shelling on the Western Front because mm. poppies love to grow in disturbed soil. Ah. So the soil's got. I don't recommend bombing your garden. No, though. no. We don't <laughs> need a panzer Did division. Did you have to spell that out? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I can sometimes be quite obvious, but anyhow. <laughs> no, just a well raked over <laughs> yeah. well, is sufficient. Yeah. Um, but that's why they bloomed in, in such abundance on, on the Western Front. And, of course, there's the the wonderful poem on Flanders fields that, that we all know so well and love so much. And, and due to a group of women, the, the red poppy became the symbol for Remembrance Day and to honour those who'd fallen in the service of war. Um, so the, that poppy holds a very important part in our mm. society. But it has a good 25-year viability, and that's why it blooms so much yeah. when, when yeah, they disturb the... Yeah, because it can be the... dormant for yeah. decades mm. and no sign of it under pasture or something like that's that. That's right. And then suddenly there's disturbance They, they plough and then mm. boom, up they come. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, okay, another couple. Uh, Wendy has messaged in saying she would love a packet of seeds and we've got her address too, and I good, will not read that good. out on air. Um <laughs> Doug is getting a whole heap of phone calls at the moment. Um, Ange has messaged in again, and I can only half read it the first part of the text message. I'll have to scroll up later. Thanks for all the poppy growing tips. Now she's got a question about dahlias. She left hers in the ground this season and they've sprouted. Half of them look really healthy, and a couple have, but a couple have faded spots on them and seem quite limp. Do you think this is a nutrient problem or are they diseased? 
I think it might be virus. Yeah, it does yeah. sound a bit sus to me. Yeah. Um, um, and certainly if the ground got rather wet over the winter, yes. um, there could be rot in there and all sorts of things And we going have had on. such a weird mm. climatic yeah. pattern. Yeah, she needs to plant Dahlia Stephen Ryan. It's a good toughie. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps you could dig up the ones that are looking... You know, yeah, I'd probably worse discard for wear. any of the ones yeah, that are really Yeah, burn them scruffy. or, you know, yeah. just get rid of them mm-hmm. and and divide up the ones that are looking really healthy or get some new tubers. There's yeah. lots of yummy colours out there at the moment. Absolutely. My, I have to confess my dahlias are looking absolutely ragbag, mm-hmm. but that's due to our heavy population of um, uh, birds, which are pecking at all mm. the leaves. So, mm. Um, i just seen the last part of her text message. Um, the soil is free-draining and tends to be quite dry. So, Oh, okay. I think it might be virus. Then virus. I'd, I'd be burning or discarding. Beautiful. All right. Uh, text message from Susie. I'm going to guess is our lovely producer, Susie. Thanks for listening when you're not rostered on. Um, when you go to Geelong, remember to call into Roy Raymond Nursery and oh, their amazing display garden in Lara. Um, Valley Road Nursery in Highton is also a lovely uh, nursery as well with a big range of plants. Yes. Terrific. Yeah, I, think that, uh, I would always say that if I'm going to Geelong, then uh, Lyle's Nursery is definitely a stopping off point oh. for me. I just have so much fun when I go there. Amen. And he's always got something I haven't seen before. Exactly. And there's not many places you can go, particularly if you've been in horticulture a lot for a long time, where you can actually meet new plants. And, yeah. and something weird and wonderful. He seems to specialise in weird yeah. and wonderful. Yeah, yes. the wackier the better. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. We did a, a, a video down there of his succulent euphorbias, mm. and most of them look like dead spiky sticks most of the year. Um, <laughs> and, and then they do something outrageous. Yeah, and, and, but we were looking at some of them as dead spiky sticks and we had an enormous number of views on that video. Yeah. Because there's collectors, people people who just get passionate about a group of plants. Succulents. For some, yeah. yeah. And for sometimes slightly esoteric reasons, you know, they don't have to be pretty plants. They can be quite bizarre plants mm. sometimes and people just bond with them mm. and yeah. they have to have every known variety. Mm. And Lila's got a whole greenhouse full of weird and wonderful euphorbias. So, yeah. you know, it's really a great place to visit. So, yeah, Rorama Nursery yeah. is a definite must. We're taking some students on a trip down there in a couple of weeks' time, oh, so I'm fantastic. really excited. I get but- paid to do this. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how unfair is that? I know. <laughs> All right, we've got another caller on the line. Uh, good morning to Adam in Heathmont. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's your question for us? Uh, I just had a question in regards to I've got some... Um, Portuguese laurels that I use as hedging plants along mm-hmm. my fence line. Yep. Um, I cut them back in around autumn time and just to shape them. And they're, they're growing like crazy now. It's really good. Um, but I was just wondering, is this time of year the time of year I should be sort of pruning them to shape again? Or do we've, I just We've let them just grow? done ours. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, do try and pick a coolish day or yes. two as well, though, because if you're cutting new growth off anything that you're using for hedging, if you get a stinking hot day after it, the foliage that was below where you cut hasn't seen sun for a while and you right. can get scorch. So just pick your time to do it. Oh, that makes sense. And, and I, do I cut it back a long way or is it... Is it's up it to you. Sort of they they up, can okay. take it really hard pruning, but I'd endorse absolutely what Stephen's saying. Wait until you can see a, a run of three or four cool days 
before you do it. And so okay. get on with it as soon as you can, really. Mm. We've just done ours and, and they've... Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and proved a purpose. I mean, you can cut yeah. them back hard if you need to, yeah. but yeah. they don't need to be cut back hard. Okay, Just got to it. make the size sense. you want, mm. yeah. And regular pruning's better. It keeps them nice and dense and looking handsome. Little bits and regularly. That's mm. correct, yeah. They're very right, resilient well, plant. I'll keep that in mind. And they're a damn sight better than Neighbours Be Gone or James Sterling Potosperums. Absolutely. <laughs> you made a good choice there, Adam. Thanks, Chloe. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for calling, Adam. We'll uh, chat to you soon. Let us know how you go. No worries. Thanks. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Okay. The number again. We are here for another... 15, 20 minutes, time has absolutely flown this morning. I have Stephen Ryan and Meryl Johnson in the studio with me this morning to call in and chat to us or if you want to grab some seed packets from Meryl uh, after asking a question, the number is 94190155 and the text message line is 0488 809 855. All right. Steve. I did bring some plants you in. You did, yes. Yes, I did. All right, we might shoot through a couple of them. Uh, I bought one down specifically for you, Chloe, because uh, I know your penchant for native plants. <laughs> uh, I bought down a hue and pine. And um, I love the idea of having something that I can grow, that I can just watch it slowly evolve over years and years and years. I get so sick of people saying they want something fast. Mm. I actually enjoy slow. Um, in mm. fact, I talked about that on radio yesterday on um, with uh, Matt Preston about slow gardening mm. because people seem to be in such a hurry all the time and gardening is not a finished product, it's no. a process. And these, you know, I think the makeover programs are to blame for some people's sort of sense yeah, of what a gardening instant. is about. And really those programs created um, uh, this perception that you could create a garden in a week and it was done. Um, and that's just not what gardening mm. is. That's outdoor decorating. It's not gardening. Yeah. So yeah, gardening yeah. is all about enjoying for the long term. Now, none of us will live long enough for a hue and pine to become a proper tree because they'll live for a thousand years or more in the wild. Yes. Uh, and they certainly take a long time to be a big tree. I mean, the one I bought in today is in a slightly squat 25 centimetre pot, I think. It's probably about. 60 centimetres tall, maybe, um, and it's already probably six or eight years old. Mm. But it's very pretty foliage. Oh, and oh. I just love it. It's just this elegant, pretty plant. Weeping. I love the, the just the droopy bits on yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like the English bluebells. It's yeah. got the droopy bits. In a tub, it makes the most fabulous tub specimen. And because it's slow growing, it's not going to outgrow your tub for decades. But what a wonderful Christmas tree, Stephen. It could be a great Christmas tree, although mm. it's very hard to hang baubles on, yes. on such a fine. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, virtually every Australian known knows what a hue and pine is, but very few people have actually seen one. And Except so owning one... In furniture. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 an unfortunate byproduct of <laughs> yes, the hue and pine, yeah. yes. Um, but it is just such a pretty little tree. Mm. And, of course, when people think native plants, they're very inclined to think about showy grevilleas and pretty wattles and, you know, um, all, all of the well-known plants. But they very rarely think of conifers. And the only reason Australian conifers have really... Uh, come onto the radar of recent decades is because of the discovery of the of the Woolamai pine, mm. and then suddenly people are going, "Oh, 
we have conifers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you just don't sort of think about conifers in Australia. We and have an incredible diversity of gymnosperms. Yeah, in wonderful Australia. plants, yeah. and 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 a lot of them are really primitive and look that way. Yes, which, which I, I find, love. Yeah, I adore it. You know, all those dinosaur plants and, and agathis and things like that, which are just wonderful, wonderful trees. Yeah. Um, and so we should be looking at some of these plants again with an eye for their ornamental value in the garden, and because they're fairly shade tolerant, the hue and pines they make a great tub specimen in a fernery. Uh, there's a couple of lovely ones down at Cranbourne in big tubs near the cafe that are actually under a roof. So I'm almost thinking vaguely indoor plant as well. So why not? Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hue and pines, Lagostrobus. I think it's a, a wonderful Australian tree and we should be, in fact, growing more of them. Um, they're not hard to grow. They're just slow. Yeah. So it's just a matter of the attitude you have to these plants. And, so, and their habitat left in Tasmania is limited. It is. It's, it's quite it's limited. It's a great thing to do uh, to grow them. So, yes, yeah, so I think we should all be growing hewn pines. There you go. Yep. And it will, it will teach you to be patient. <laughs> uh, my long-term aim is if I make 80, and who knows whether I will or not, but if I make 80, I'm going to plant something that takes 20 years to flower. Because <laughs> it then gives you something to live for, yeah. you know. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think gardening is about enjoying the process, not trying to have some sort of finished product. And I think the hue and pine is a beautiful example of that. So that's that. And the other thing I bought along, which I think is a completely different sort of thing, um, I bought along a little plant called Aricia cacinia. Um, it's in the same family as penstemons and foxgloves and all those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, it's got the lovely trumpets. And it comes from the high Andes mountains in South America, so it's an cool. alpine plant. Yeah. Uh, uh, it has these little soft green leaves, which I might add, wilt as soon as the sun shines on them. So you do have to have them in a fairly cool place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the late spring, early summer, and for quite a prolonged period, it has these gorgeous little bright scarlet um, penstemon-like flowers on it. Uh, it would be a bit of a challenge for people to grow, but as a pot plant in a fernery or a shade house or under a big tree or something like that. Um, very cute and bright. It is. It's very bright coloured. Uh, and this particular species is probably one of the easiest of the genus to grow because a lot of them are all virtually high altitude cushion plants mm, so they grow yeah. really tight and very tiny and are almost impossible to grow yeah. uh, but I find cochinia not particularly difficult to grow as long as you keep it moist and you keep it out of the direct sun but give it plenty of light mm. uh, and as a pot plant you could even sit it in a saucer of water for the summer just to make sure it doesn't dry out uh, it clumps up reasonably quickly you can grow it by divisions reasonably well uh, and yeah it's obviously hummingbird um, pollinate Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So anything with a red tubular flower will in, uh, attract honey-eating birds, and I'm sure it would do the same for our honey-eaters, except our honey-eaters would land on it and break the stems. No, mine don't. <laughs> They've perfected hovering. Have they? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so uh, the wattle birds would, though. Oh, no, the wattle birds <laughs> will smash it down. Yeah, they'd smash it down. Uh, but it's a really pretty little plant. What? How do you spell the genus name? Aricia, it's O-U-R-I-S-I-A. O-U-R-I-S-I-A. Auricia. Auricia. Yes. Yeah, okay. I would have spelled it with an A. Yes, yes. So it's Auricia cochinia, and, of course, cochinia means scarlet, so... Yep, or you it. could pronounce it coccinia, well, you coccinia, could pre- coccinia. Yeah, you could yep. pronounce it in lots of different ways. Yep. I, I've always said coccinia, but I don't know. Uh, I'm fairly easygoing about pronunciations because yes. I know that, you know, different different people pronounce things in different ways. I just get annoyed about clivia and clivia. <laughs> I always think of you when I'm talking to students yeah. about the, like, because we have so many clivias yeah. on campus uh, and 
students, you know, wrapping their heads around how names are pronounced and mm. some they're scared to say it wrong. And I'm like, no, don't. don't just say it. Except yeah. for this one. Yeah, except for this <laughs> one. You've got to say Clivia. Yeah, yeah. Right. I still say Clivia. Yeah. yeah. You'll learn the honours Clive of India, yeah. so it has to be Clivia. Yeah. Well, that was what I was always taught when I did nomenclature, that if it was a commemorative, yes. you should try and pronounce it as close to the original Your form. name. So we should be saying Dahlias. We should yes. be saying Fuchsias. Yes. Um, so. Fuchsia. I can't get around fuchsia. Yeah, well, the Austrians do, though. They, if you get yeah. somebody who comes into the nursery from Austria or Germany, they will ask you if you're growing fuchsias. How often does that yeah. happen? And I have quite quite a number of people who ask for dahlias. <laughs> uh, I can't get my head around gazanias, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, yeah, so I try and pronounce it that way. And I guess what I always say to people when they're worried about pronunciation is remember that it's a dead language. Uh, there's letters in the words we use that don't, didn't even exist in the Latin diction or Latin alphabet. So if an ancient Roman came back, they wouldn't be able to say the words either in lots of cases. Because they wouldn't yeah, recognise. Yeah, because they, they wouldn't recognise some of the letters because mm-hmm. they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it's a mishmash anyway. There's Greek in it and there's Aramaic and there's, there's all sorts bit, of yeah, other yeah. things that show up. And there's, there's Latinized colloquial names. Nandina is a Japanese name that's had an, a, uh, an IA on the end of it. Um, right. So, you know, so there's lots of names from local countries that were just adapted and Latinized. So before go. we go down a, ra- a botanical name rabbit hole, there's a we, couple of other will. things we need to get <laughs> as we could. I could I could do it as well. But yeah. um a listener has asked if we could please repeat the seed sowing instructions for poppies. Um and in a, poppies in a pot and pot sizes that you recommend too, Meryl. Okay, well pot sizes for perennial poppies. I'm holding out my hands. Yeah, which is really I useful reckon, on radio. <laughs> I reckon a, a minimum width of about 25 centimetres, minimum. Um, annual poppies, you could go smaller, 20 centimetres maybe, and you'd have you know a nice little crop of plants in there. But you can do big tubs as well and yeah, you could be sprinkle abundant. Them out, sprinkle around them, yes. and be so abundant. A big yep. concrete urn full yeah, of poppies. Yeah, just looks spectacular. Mm. And seed pods looking spectacular afterwards. And then you haul the whole lot out, scatter the seeds or save the seeds and have something else in, in the pot. Yep. So I think that's a great idea. Um, growing... Then they are native to Turkey, so they don't mind periods of dry. They like the full sunshine. Uh, the perennial ones will benefit from summer mulch, whereas the annual ones have gone and done their thing and set their seed by the time the heat of summer comes, so you don't need to worry about them. So they're not particularly thirsty plants. Perennial ones need perhaps more water than the annual ones. Um Perennial ones, more heavy feeders. Annual ones, not such heavy feeders. Otherwise, they'll grow lots of foliage and not so much flowers. So keep them a bit lean and mean. And a bit of gravel or blue chippings. Yes. And then put the seeds on top of them. Scatter the seeds and then mist water it in and that makes the the seeds seeds sink down down between the the gravel bits and that's their happy place. Or throw the seed all over your driveway. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or create a little bed of gravel and chuck the seed around in there. That's a good idea. I probably That's should throw poppy seed over my oxalarium. That's a good a, idea. I've got this bed where I have all my ornamental oxaluses growing, and most of them are winter growing. Yeah. Um, and I've got gravel over it for the summer. Yes. If I sprinkle poppy seed in there, I'm sure I'd get a good <laughs> You'd crop get a of magnificent show. Uh, <laughs> I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks, Meryl. Uh, Jane from Greensboro has texted in um, just saying she loves poppies too and watches loves watching the bees dancing around um, the flowers on hers. Um, 
Jane, if you would like a packet of seeds, send us back your address details. Now we've got a few minutes left. There's a listener called Jan has um, sent in a message. Not a lot of information. So would like Jan would like to know why her gardenia plants are getting yellow leaves on them. I reckon it's the climate we're having, which is such a seesaw. Hot That's one why day, my sweet corn's not germinating. Okay. Cold the yeah. next, and gardenias are extremely sensitive to temperature changes. Mm. They like a stable, moist. We really are pushing mild. them to their limit this far south. We okay. are, uh, and so when you get a, a a spring like we've had, where it's cold and then it's warm and then it's cold again, gardenias are just going to go. Ugh, oh, I it's hate too this. hard. So yeah, they will. They'll yellow and drop leaves. But when the weather settles, mm-hmm. I'd give it a good feed, uh, and all should be well. Yeah, and and give it some sea salt maxi crop. Yeah, um, just to give it a little bit of a tonic, and mm-hmm. yeah, once the weather settles, it'll probably settle too. You guys are legends. You just had an answer for that straight away. I love it. Thank you. I'm like, oh, maybe it's new Yeah, we've we've lost a few gardenias in our time. Yeah, yes. You you can be assured a lot of these things are from personal experience. (laughs) Uh, Um, Meryl, what's your website? If people want to have a look at some of the... The poppies that you've got and other seeds and that you've yeah, got. And, and What's every, your website? Every plant has a great picture. Well, David's in charge. My husband is in charge of all the photography yeah. stuff. Have to acknowledge him. It's www.seedscape.net.au. So all lowercase, seedscape, one word, .net.au. And you can order online as well. Yeah, yeah. That's your main form of... Um, yes. Other than, you know, great yeah, plant shows. Plant yeah, shows yeah that, that's our entire marketing, yeah. yeah. We don't uh, do Instagram or anything. Haven't got time. We're too busy. Too busy. Uh, while we just mentioned the, the Clive's Plant Fair, I'll just give out some details for that Um well, if anyone is wondering, so Yarra Valley Spring Plant Fair and Garden Expo is the full title of the show. It's running next weekend, 11th and 12th of November from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. at 125 Quail Road, Wandon. And it's Q-U-A-Y-L-E. Correct. If you spell it like the bird, you won't find it. Correct. <laughs> yes. Quail Road, Wandon. The website is uh, yarravalleyplantfair.com.au. You can pre-buy your tickets online. You get a little bit of a discount if you buy your tickets online as well. They're also on Facebook and Instagram, and the handle for that is yvplantfair. So if you want to check that out, Sophie Thompson from Gardening Australia is the guest. You probably have a chance to chat to her and meet her. It's that it's that yeah, informal, it's very, the show. Yeah, it is very it's just wonderful. Informal. If yeah. you don't get a chance to talk to Sophie, I'd be really surprised. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's the way those things work. It's so, lovely. Yeah. Meryl will be there. Ben Brooker will mm. be there. We've had Ruben Neustig on the show before, and there's going to be there'll be three CR people wandering around uh, all weekend well, as well. Of course they will, yeah. because our, our 3CR listeners are really keen gardeners, so of <laughs> yes. course they're going to be up there. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, Gina has asked, uh, Gina would like to know why her daffodils have a lot of foliage but no flowers. Well, two things I reckon are, are the likely causes, overcrowding and maybe not enough sun. Both of those things will turn off the flowering. And certainly so, with modern hybrid daffodils, they do need to be lifted and divided every so often. They do, overcrowding. Into, yeah, put back into fresh ground again, all and, that sort of stuff. And plenty of sun, plenty yeah. of winter sun. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if there's deciduous trees which come over over the summer, but they need that winter sun. 
there we go. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, and they might take Gina. a year or so to settle down again and flower again too once they have been divided. Yeah. You can't always expect them to then suddenly come back into flower the next mm-hmm. season. Well, they've set it already yeah, have, yeah, or not right. set it already is yeah. the problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a listener has texted in saying that the to the gardenia lady, maybe you could have a look at growing the tree-type gardenia as it's a little bit hardier. Good yeah. It depends yeah. if and you've got room. Good, that's good for the slow gardening movement too because it takes about 10 years from seed to flower. <laughs> <laughs> it is a magnificent plant though. There's a couple of rippers in the botanic gardens, yeah. uh, Gardenia thumbergii. Oh, I love that one, the and, smell. Oh, the yeah, perfume divine. is outrageous. But it's a weird one because you don't see it around the trade very often. One, because it's slow to get up to a saleable size. Right. And when it's small, it's this weird angular-looking bush with heavy stems and these leaves that are all crinkly and curly-looking. The whole plant looks disgusting when it's young and it's really hard to convince people oh, it's bugger. perfectly healthy. There's so many plants like that that don't look great when they're yeah. in a pot in a nursery yeah. but they're beautiful. Yeah, oh, that's really yeah so go yeah, your thumb would be well worth looking out for. Lyle got, would be one of the few places I reckon you might get it actually. We've got one of those on our campus at Fairfield yeah. so I'm going to talk to Yarra Edge Nursery this week and get some students to, to propagate some. Seed's yeah. the best way. Seed, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll try to collect some seed. Yeah, yeah. So it is it's a great plant and it should be used a lot more around suburban Melbourne. Mm. It suits the climate well. It's drought tolerant yep. once it gets its roots down. And the but, smell oh, is divine. Oh, it's mm. absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And it is a big bush. It's not really a tree, but it's a big bush. Uh, so you do need to allow it some space. Yeah, beautiful. All right, Jane, we got your message uh, from Greensboro with your address on there, so we'll get those addresses noted down for you, Meryl. Um, we've come to the end of Again. another Sunday. That was one of the fastest shows I think I've ever had. It goes so fast, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it just went like... We like, did the community were we announcements here more than half a bit hour? later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for coming in. And um, thanks and to the listeners for great questions. Absolutely. Lots of listener interaction. They're, they're out there. And thanks to Clive to come, for coming in too. Yarra Valley Plant Fairs next weekend and a whole heap of other uh, events going Ooh. on at the moment as well. So thank you both for your time for coming into the studio. I really appreciate it. Happy gardening, everyone. Happy gardening. Have a lovely Sunday, everyone, and we'll be back again at 7.30 next week. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.